and welcome to another Games and Junk Game Club, the show where we like to have a good time. I'm your host, John Lucero, and joining me today is... Vanessa Cahill. And uh, we have a very... Well, first off, I'd say our uh, intrepid editor-in-chief, Jason Ariola, will not be able to join us today due to his uh, recent surgery he had. We wish him a quick recovery, and hopefully he'll be back with us soon. Uh, but we do have a special guest today. Uh, joining us is a friend of the site... Luke Maxwell. Hi, Luke. How are you doing? Hey, not bad at all. I'm uh, very happy to be here. And of course, very saddened to hear about uh, Jason's lack of uh, appearance today or his absence. But, you know, wherever he is and whatever he's doing, we hope that he's doing it well and with uh, the love of God on his side. Yeah, that's all. That's all we can hope for. If he's listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> if only. <laughs> so uh, today, you guys are joining me to talk about uh, Resident Evil Remake, uh, a game we were playing in honor of the 25th anniversary of Resident Evil, and, and uh, this almost—it's the 19th anniversary of the remake. But uh, it's hard to get the original t- uh, these days, and the remake's better anyway. So uh, we decided. So I decided uh, I picked the game this this month for the first time. This is a personal favorite of mine, my second favorite in Resident Evil series, which is my second favorite series of all time. Mm. Uh, so it's all it's all very symmetrical there, all really good mm. stuff. And I've beaten this game a handful of times. I guess I should describe what it is. If you if you've never played a Resident Evil game, it is a survival horror game, uh, which means it is essentially I, I, it's like an a point and click adventure game in in structure, but with a more actiony. With more actiony controls to it, and uh, with a bit of a you know Metroid spin on it, with the amount of exploration you're doing in a small, con- in a more of a condensed space. Uh, with zombies. Yes, with zombies and mutated animals and uh, sunglasses. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Vanessa, have you ever played a Resident Evil game? And have you ever played? Have you had you ever played this game before? Um, I feel like I played briefly about i'm sure less than five minutes maybe on the gamecube or something like a long time ago and i was like nope (laughs) that's okay yeah sure yep (laughs) (laughs) so whatever one that was maybe it was this one not sure i have not played this one in my memory though but maybe maybe i did for five minutes who knows uh luke how about yourself um resident evil was always uh from moment one a big deal to me and my buddies um, it was something that loomed large in our little imaginations um, from the very first moment that we found out about it. Um, for years, I chased Resident Evil because my um, parents wouldn't let me play it. And so I'd have to sort of play it furtively yeah. at people's uh, houses and whatnot. Uh, by the time the remake had come out, I was of age, uh, appropriate enough to purchase um, video games without my parents' permission. And so this was something that I jumped on immediately. And I think it's very intriguing what you're saying about um, Resident Evil's structure basically being that of a point-of-click adventure um, with more action because that's exactly true. And with the remake, it's like the action finally caught up to the, the action elements of it because yes. um, that first game, you know, I was reading a little bit in and around the remake, and um, it was one of those games that even though the other Resident Evil games, 2 and 3, Code Veronica, 
etc., had been ported all around the place. So you could get versions of them for the GameCube, you could get versions of them for the Dreamcast, N64, whatever. You didn't see Resident Evil 1 out and about in the world too much in terms of ports. And um, when it came time for the GameCube, and when it came time for discussions between Capcom and Nintendo to happen around exclusivity and um, games that would be developed for it, Shinji Mikami thought, oh, you know, we'll remake Resident Evil because um, the GameCube is significantly more powerful than the N64, and also Resident Evil is uh, an old game at this stage, which is amusing, I suppose, given that it was, what, six years? Or yeah, something. six you years. don't often see remakes. I mean, that's sort of um, uh, Super Mario All-Stars territory there. I can't think of a situation. I suppose now we have this whole remake and remaster cycle that does be going on where games from the previous generation spin back up but i mean resident evil remake is a lot more than you would typically see from a game i mean it really is a ground up reimagining of what resident evil could be um yeah taking yeah. that game and its structure in broad strokes and we see like what I think when you compare this, say, to Deadly Silence or whatever the DS version yes, of the DS version. is, yeah, you can see the um, breadth and depth of the remake process here, but just how different a game this is and how much of a template this is for the more um, action-orientated leanings that Resident Evil would have on the GameCube. And indeed, the sort of stuff that was going on in Capcom internally, we think about, like, what they were doing towards the end of the Resident Evil, uh, towards the end of the PlayStation, you had um, Dino Crisis 2, which is kind of a proto-Resident Evil 4, you know? You have Devil May Cry, which at one point was Resident Evil 4, yes. and I guess changed into it. And then I think Resident Evil, the remake, um, is informed a little bit by where these, these action games are going to go. So it, it was one of those things where, like, Resident Evil was always big with me and my buddies. And, you know, Resident Evil 2 was huge, obviously. But then when this Resident Evil came out, and this is a kind of a cliche thing to say, it sort of, when the remake was there, it brought to life what was in your mind's eye the whole time. You know, everything looked like it did when you were eight years old or whatever else, or when I was eight years old, seeing those dogs jumping through the window or seeing any of the, the pre-rendered cutscenes. Now graphics had got to the stage where in real time and with, with trickery, they could look the, the imagination of a young child, you know? And so, uh, I mean, it's really a phenomenal technical achievement of anything. And thanks to, uh, you know, some work uh, a few years ago, you can experience it now all widescreen and nice again. And uh, it still looks very, you know, uh, passable. I think it does. I think it looks. I think it actually looks uh, pretty awesome still. For them. Uh, especially some of the the backgrounds are still pretty strong. You know. Yeah, it's the, one of those things where you can't really fault good art, right? And yeah, you see exactly. it now with um, the Final Fantasy games and with what Square are doing with um, the Saga games when they're upscaling them here and there. You know, um, sometimes they can look a bit washed out a little bit blown up but like when it comes together it really comes together and there's something very artistically pleasing about polygons sliding around on top of uh, paintings um, and Resident Evil I think does a very good job here where 
even the the seamless mixing of real time and uh, rendered elements isn't um, you know it's not those as I said it's seamless and so um, on the new version um, the remaster of the remake it's uh, it's even more apparent how much artistry and work went into making these elements work in tandem together and have it not like um, polygons sliding all over a painting now it's as if they're uh, all part of one cohesive image. Exactly. And I think that I'm actually getting breaking news right now. Um, we actually will be hearing from uh, Jason Oriol today. Um, he has thrown his lap coat on over his damaged shoulder, possibly damaging it more, um, which is that's the dedication this man brings to historical research on video games. And uh, it's Jason. Jason, are you here? Can you read me? I'm here. <laughs> uh, welcome, Jason. Um, I don't. I don't think we could do an episode of these without your uh, in-depth research. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so please, Jason, bloviate on about Resident Evil and its its uh, its its long history. Uh, Twenty five years worth. Well, of course, we're just talking specifically about the remake. Otherwise, um, I've got another like twelve hours of research. Anyway, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, can, we can just talk about the remake. Yeah, yeah let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right. So I'm going to do this real quick um, before uh, my shoulder decides I can't sit in this position for too much longer. So we'll kind of plow through. But if uh, you guys need to stop and or not need to, but want to stop and talk about something, I'll just uh, kind of sit back for a minute and ease some of the tension on this uh, damaged wing of mine. <laughs> Please, Jason. All right. So the remake of Resident Evil was released on the GameCube originally, March 22nd, 2002 in Japan, April 30th, 2002 in North America, and September 13th, 2002 in Europe. It would end up also coming to the Wii in Japan on Christmas 2008 and the rest of the world in June of 2009, right around my birthday. Big wow. Anyway, a HD version would come to Windows, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox 360, and Xbox One, November 27th, 2014 in Japan, and the rest of the world January 20th, 2015 in the notes. John, I guess you didn't notice either. I uh, put 2105, so we're still waiting for that one, I guess. <laughs> I, missed, I must have missed that yep, okay <laughs> apparently japan's still waiting for this so anyway yeah. uh finally the hd uh, version was released on the switch um may of 2019 so fairly recently only two years ago man Ooh. does 2020 actually count as a year can we just skip okay anyway nope <laughs> yeah let's just skip over just came out <laughs> last year yeah <sighs> <laughs> Uh, the remake was originally part of the exclusivity detail for the Resident Evil games going forward to be on the GameCube, including ports of Resident Evil 2 and 3. Uh, director Shinji Mikami wanted to remake the original for the GameCube. Rather than just porting it, though, he didn't feel the original's graphics had held up in a manner that newer players could really appreciate them. Mikami believed the GameCube's capabilities could get Resident Evil closer to what he had originally envisioned for the game. And Yasuhiro Anpo, one of the programmers on the PlayStation original, said the poor localization also factored into the decision to remake Resident Evil. I don't think that I think localization was strong personally. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, maybe strong in the wrong direction. Yeah, you know, I think I think it has its charms. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's charming. I don't know if it's really what they were going for though. <laughs> so All right, uh project Production started at the beginning of 2001, meaning this game was turned around in a little over a year with a whopping four programmers to start off with. 
This was eventually ramped up, of course, but to think they started this project with four people working on the programming is a little intense. Uh, Capcom had to learn a lot of the intricacies of the GameCube hardware as they went along, as this was their one of their first games that they developed for it, opting to use 3D models and pre-rendered backgrounds, as Luke mentioned, uh, much in the same way the original did. Not only did that help with the graphical fidelity of the game itself, but also didn't have to worry about dynamic environmental lighting. This led them to maintaining fixed camera angles, but they gave the camera a little bit more freedom uh, this allowed for more dramatic camera angles and shots to be used as the camera could track the player to varying degrees, allowing even more tension to be made. The decision to use pre-rendered backgrounds allowed them to use particle effects and full motion video layers uh, to make the backgrounds appear to be a little bit more dynamic and alive, uh, trees swaying, moving water, etc, etc. Uh, this also enabled them to have a high contrast between light and dark areas, letting enemies hide in the shadows. All of this helped ramp up the intensity from the PlayStation original, where you could pretty much see everything in plain day, because, oh, hey, look at that jumbly pile of polygons that I, is shifting on that thing that shouldn't <laughs> be moving. Okay, I, clearly that's coming at me, so... Uh, what started off only as a planned graphical update ended up le uh, leaning more on what we would consider a remake these days. Uh, inventory options were expanded. The idea of zombies coming back to life came from the idea of making the enemies invisible. Uh, that idea, thankfully, was scrapped out of fear of making it feel too much of a different game from the original. Yeah, they, they definitely went back, never went back, went back to that well later in the series. There are definitely never any invisible enemies in the series, ever. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> uh, new areas were added, puzzle solutions were changed, a new movement option, which was holding down the R button on the GameCube controller um, to move forward and moving the analog stick or using the analog stick to control which direction you were actually turning in uh, was introduced. And a subplot uh, that was shelved for the original involving Lisa Trevor was added in. I have no idea who Lisa Trevor is, so... Uh, she's the progenitor of the G virus. Come on, Jason. This is, this is, this is preschool stuff. It wasn't in the movies. I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Capcom edition actors for the characters. So the designers would have the real people, uh, to have real people to base their designs on. Mocap was used to animate most of the character movements while the rest, um, Capcom had to figure out on their own. While they were struggling with that, Nintendo helped them develop a system for the animation. So, as I mentioned earlier, this game got out the door so quickly that the last stretch was pretty hard on the team. The devs working uh, nearly two straight months without a day off to make the deadline, obviously trying to get it out the door before their new fiscal year started. God bless capitalism and all its fucking glory and driving people into the ground. No. <laughs> At least we don't do that anymore these days. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I say that as an in with an injured shoulder for my job. Anyway, uh, the GameCube would sell 1.35 million copies worldwide, while the HD release as of September 30th, 2018, has sold 2.3 million copies. While the remake sold well enough, Resident Evil Zero, which came out a little later, would fail to meet sales expectations um, from Capcom, causing them to start looking at porting some of the Capcom 5. Um, in case you're unfamiliar, uh, the Capcom 5 are games that were promised to the GameCube as exclusives. Uh, they started chopping them around to other platforms. Shinji Mikami originally said he would cut off his own head if Resident Evil 4 ended up being on any other platform <laughs> beside the GameCube. He has since apologized for that remark as, um, yeah, it's ended up on every platform that could possibly run it since then. Uh, while the re remake wasn't part of the Capcom 5, its success is what bolstered initial confidence in the GameCube enough that the exclusives, the or, which were Piano 3, Beautiful Joe, Resident Evil 4, Killer 7, and the unreleased Dead Phoenix were decided upon. Uh, Resident Evil really screwed that one up then. Did we ever see Piano 3 on any of their platforms? Did anyone uh, lose no. their head over that? No. Pretty sure. that, oh, uh, it's coming out. Again. I'm pretty sure it's getting re-released soon. Really? You'll get yeah. to see Vanessa 
P. Schneider again. I'm almost 100 percent that it, if it hasn't come out already, there is a re there's a re-release of that game coming out. A if remaster. I just, if I pulled that lady's whole name from my, my <laughs> I mean, maybe you need to play that game again, Luke. Is what that's telling you? <laughs> I, I actually think it's in my bin of games I'm selling. I might. <laughs> <laughs> I think I bought it on a lot of uh, Game Boy games on eBay, like, or uh, GameCube games on eBay a few years ago. So it was just oh, sort of one, one I got. Sorry, guys. So. It's Vanessa Z. Schneider. Oh, okay. What is it, What is this game called that you're talking about? Uh, PNO3, Project Number 3. It's a rhythm action uh, a shooting rhythm game action by Capcom. Shooting game. Yeah. So you're a girl um, in, a, in a tight suit. Uh, walking down like kind of a disco-y type lady and you're walking down a hallway and you can kind of um, shift from one uh, you know between three different places in the hallway say and shoot people and um, it's a little bit like Resident Evil in that the, the controls are kind of turgid in that way but it's not like Resident Evil in that it's um, not very good she like dances. I'm looking up screenshots now. Yeah, she dances, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vanessa, I'm a hundred percent sure you boxed that up a few times um when we were working together. She's very um like uh yeah, it's it's very kind of proto bayonetta style character design in the in the sort of elements that they're paying attention to in the cutscenes and things. Um, you know, not a not a bad game. Shinji Mikami also uh directed it, so it's one of his um you know, actually it's funny now that I think about it. Okay, it's all coming together. the The way that this game controls Piano Three is a little bit like God Hand in that you're sort of fixed in a way, mm-hmm. uh, in, in that sense, behind the character. It's like a rail so, puncher. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think that uh, that. That'll, uh, <laughs> I like that description. It's actually, yeah. it's actually amazing to me looking at these release dates and when you were reading it out, Jason. It's kind of terrible how we got treated in europe um during the the game yeah. um, yeah, no it's got it rough don't buy nintendo consoles uh over here or didn't at the time because like the weight between the us and japan um uh to to get resident evil you would have had everything spoiled for you but at that stage you know all the the secrets and and uh tricks and and whatnot and the thing about this remake is that it's all about that, isn't it? Because there's so much of it that's unexpected, even for people that have played the first Resident Evil. And that's one of the, the great things about it and how it subverts and undermines your expectations, especially with the zombies themselves, right? So, I mean, we could talk about that a little bit, how you, you shoot a zombie in the first Resident Evil, and uh, if they have a little blood stain that comes up, they're dead and they're gone, you know? And um, generally, they won't come back. And uh, in in this new version of Resident Evil, the zombies uh, they're they're never dead for too long, you know, unless you you do something to them um, to make sure that they stay dead. And that's something that uh, Shinji Mikami picked up again with them, um, uh, the Evil Within had a similar concept. If you it guys did. remember that, you had to burn bodies and whatnot. You have to do that in this as well. But as with any Resident Evil. There's limited resources, and so you've got to pick your your um, your arson victims wisely. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I did not appreciate that part. Oh God! I mean, yeah, it's, we, it's terrifying well, when they we come can, back. Uh, we can talk more about the the, uh, the old crimson heads uh, yeah. a bit. I think uh, Jason probably needs to. Uh, oh yeah. Finish yeah. Up his yeah, yeah. spiel here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Car- carry on, the doc- yeah. doctor. Oh yeah, sorry, okay. doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, doctor of science. Let's recall that. Anyway, um, where was? Oh, here. So 
the HD version uh, needed a fair amount of work to happen. Originally being meant for a 4.3 aspect ratio, the team wanted to keep the same amount of the environment obscured, so simply re-rendering backgrounds in 16.9 was out. Instead, they went with adding vertical scrolling to the backgrounds that responded to the character movement, which I think was a pretty clever trick. Uh, this allowed a 16 by 9 aspect ratio while also maintaining the original version of the remake's creative intent. The HD version allowed you to ditch the tank controls, finally allowing free movement, which I'm sure Vanessa appreciated to no end. <laughs> did you try the tank controls? Yeah, did you chance? try the tank controls? No. no? Okay. <laughs> I don't know no. what those are. <laughs> the, uh, it's, every, every, your up is always, it's always forward. the forward. Like in real life. Yeah. You know, you're always... If you want to go forward, you're always moving up. So you know how the fixed camera, like you'll, your the way the way your character's oriented will change as you walk through oh. the space. So you, the way you'll be moving will change as well based on what. Yeah. So you always have to always have to hold, be holding up even if it looks, looks like you shouldn't be. So uh, that makes my head hurt. Yeah, it's <laughs> you get used to it, but it is a little confusing, especially when you're trying to turn around quickly or something like that. So. So they had a quick turn. Yeah, I don't think you would have appreciated that for those instances where you're like trying to run away or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, the option is still there uh, if you're one of those weirdo purists who like the tank controls, but the option to slam your fingers in a door repeatedly is also an option. That doesn't make it a good <laughs> idea. Uh, Shinji Mikami directed this and the original version. He started with Capcom in 1990 and would stay on until 2006 when the studio he's a part of, Clover, was dissolved. He would go on to be one of the early members of Seed's studio in 2006, which was made up largely of uh, Clover refugees, effectively. Seeds would become Platinum Games in 2007 after a merger with Odd Incorporated, and in 2010 he would leave Platinum to form Tango Gameworks, where he still is today and working on the, as Luke mentioned, The Evil Within 1 and 2. And Tokyo Ghostwire. Now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Or go, yeah, Ghostwire Ghost. Tokyo. Ghostwire Tokyo, I think. So any one of, amalgamation one of those, those three words. words in a certain order yeah, yeah. <laughs> is the name of that game. Ghostwire and Tokyo are in the title somewhere. Which way? I don't know, but you know, yeah. Uh, Mikami worked on a good chunk of other entries in the series, including RE2, RE3, Code Veronica, Survivor 2, Gaiden, Zero, and RE4. Mikami um, has worked on a lot of other games in a lot of different roles as well. His first design credit I could find was Who Framed Roger Rabbit for the Game Boy? Hmm. Yeah. So, always going back to Roger Rabbit. Yeah, sure seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it's sort of the <laughs> impetus of two podcasts that we've started now. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, so after that, uh, Goof Troop, Aladdin, Resident Evil, Dino Crisis, PNO3. God Hand and Resident Evil 4. I mentioned that already. Never mind. Anyway, he worked on the production in one form or another for all three Dino Crisis games. The original Phoenix Wright trilogy, Devil May Cry, Beautiful Joe, Steel Battalion, Line of Contact. If you're unfamiliar with that, that is the gigantic Xbox or the that is a game for the Xbox with a gigantic, nearly literal like dashboard size controller for it. That's a little ridiculous. Uh, Killer 7, Vanquish, Shadows of the Damned and both Evil Within games. Hiroki Kobayashi acted as the executive producer for the remake. Kobayashi joined Capcom in 1995, with his first role being a programmer on the original Resident Evil. He would also program on Resident Evil 2, serve as the planner for Dino Crisis, and then move into more of a production role. He worked on the production side of things for Dino Crisis 2 and 3, Resident Evil Code Veronica X, RE4, RE6, Devil May Cry, PNO3, Under the Skin, which um, I looked up. What the, the hell that was? And that's no, 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 not <laughs> the one with Scarlett Johansson. Um, <laughs> and I just remember thinking it was a little weird. Like I kind of did, I briefly glanced over it and it's a weird, like cartoony looking thing, but it's kind of, I don't know. I'll yeah, maybe, maybe it's something we can talk about at some other time at some other point here, but yeah, kind of 
running on time here. Anyway, uh, Devil May Cry 4, Sengoku Basara, Samurai Heroes, Dragon's Dogma, and its expansion, Dark Arisen, uh, you know, two of my favorite things right there, Mega Man mm-hmm. Legacy Collection, and Mega Man 11. He's still with Capcom, but his most recent credit after Mega Man 11 is Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown. Jeez, we're really circling around with all the shit we, um, because we talked about that off the air. <laughs> That's odd. Anyway, uh, I'm not sure if that's an accurate one, though, because uh, that's a Bandai uh, Namco joint. Might just be another Hiroki Kobayashi in the biz. I don't know. Anyway, the lead composer is Shusaku Uchiyama. I can't give more than an educated guess, but it looks like Uchiyama started working at Capcom around 1996, as that's his first credit in Moby games I could find. His first work was the lone composer for Mega Man 8. Hell of a start, if you ask me. Uh, He would also have an uncredited role in Mega Man X3, and from there he would work on the music and sound in Resident Evil Director's Cut, RE2, the original, not the remake, Devil May Cry, PNO3, Under the Skin, RE4, Devil May Cry 4, Resident Evil The Dark Side Chronicles, Mega Man 10, and RE... Operation Raccoon City. Uh, Operation Raccoon City would be the final game that he would work on under Capcom's oh, banner. It's a bummer of an end note. It's like, oh, well, that's a <laughs> poor guy. Anyway, uh, he now works for BPM Studios. Uh, what he does there is beyond me because I couldn't find what the hell the studio was. So, yeah. Uh, but he came back as a composer for the Resident Evil 2 remake in 2019. Uh, he's also been part of some official arranged albums of Capcom game soundtracks, as well as scoring the movie Resident Evil Damnation with Ray Kondo. Uh, so that's something we'll be watching on Multimedia Failure eventually. Yeah. Looking cool. Real excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it was animated I one didn't of those. realize there was a Resident Evil Damnation. Oh, it's not part of the new series. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah they're it's, one yeah. of the CG guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. Those movies. Those. <laughs> yeah. Vendetta's bad. <laughs> I just remember than, the first one, and that one was not good. Yeah, it's better than any of the the whatever the Paul W. S. Anderson movies, though. I, so. You know, I've got a bone to pick with you after that whole uh, Blood Rain thing. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> telling us Blood Rain was going to be better than Doom. My God. Anyway, uh, and finally, something I've never really done. I want to note these sound designers as in a horror game like this. They tend to go huge in the impact of the scares. First is Hidedaki Utsumi, who sometimes goes by 2097. Yeah, strange. Sure. Anyway, yeah. Uh, he started with Capcom in 2005. It was just a handle I found. I was like, what the hell is he using this for in some credits? Okay. I just thought it was a little like, oh, interesting. Um and he was there with Capcom until 2009. Utsemi left to become a teacher at Hal Osaka Technical School, but he also plays in a band as well. Uh, Tsumi's first credited work is the original Resident Evil. He would go on to work on the Director's Cut, RE2, Devil May Cry, Bounty Hunter, Sarah, Holy Mountain, Noteo, Clock Tower 3, Gregory Horror Show. Uh, just it's some weird Capcom titles I'm, I'm fighting. And I, didn't I, love, I love that name. By the way, <laughs> Gregory Horror Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the cartoon was cool, too. Yeah. It had a, a nice look to it. Mega Man X Command Mission, which is kind of a horror game in and of itself, uh, Haunting Ground, <laughs> RE5, and the Devil May Cry HD collection. The other sound designer is Yoshito Kato. Kato seems to have started with Capcom um, with this very game. Since then, Kato's worked on Piano 3, Beautiful Joe 2, and possibly the first one as well, as Kato was mentioned in the thanks section of the credits. RE4, Monster Hunter Freedom 2, Devil May Cry 4, Lost Planet 2, great entry in that series, Operation Raccoon City, Resident Evil Revelations, Revelations 2, Resident Evil 7, and the remakes of RE2 and 3. And near as I can figure, Kato's uh, still with Capcom, but there's not a whole lot of info on them beyond their credits. Uh, Based on the credits, though, it's easy to say Kato's been a fairly instrumental part of the sound design of the Resident Evil series since this game. So your prob- so the odds are high that he'll be involved with eight. So. Yeah, I, I'd say it's a probably a fair bet because I or or eight lidge. 
Veitledge, yeah. Veitledge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. Yeah, you want to try with that, so. (laughs) So with that, I uh, I guess my uh, bloviating is done for the time being, so I will uh, leave you kids to your podcast, and uh, I will uh, uh, probably see you on the next Game Club then. Well, thank Thanks, you, Dad. Jason. That was uh, it, it, that was it was amazing. Great. That was great as always. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. All right, you guys have fun. Don't play dice with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, sorry. Right. Who, who was that? <laughs> that was. I, I, I thought you guys knew. <laughs> that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fan, fan of the show, I guess. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does does that mysterious a lot? science person. It, doesn't, it happens occasionally. We kind of just like humor him for a bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, wearing a lab coat and nothing else, uh, it's a little bit like holding us hostage in a way. You yeah. Know? You're just yeah. hoping With that you will keep it on. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, just holding your breath till it's over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very strange. Like uh, walking by a hunter, don't you think, exactly. guys? Exactly, just like walking by a hunter in the yeah. in the Spencer Mansion <laughs> in Resident <laughs> Evil Remake. And, uh, so, That's guys, uh, this game, like I said, uh, this game is near and dear to my heart. It is. It, it's it's one of a, it feels like uh, it's from a bygone era at this point. There's nothing really like it anymore. Um, which I, which can be hard to, can be hard to recommend to players these days, you know, anyone playing it. It's like, uh, so, but it was nice to sit down and get to play with people. Uh, just quickly, Vanessa, what are your, what are your gut thoughts in this game right now? Did you enjoy yourself playing it for the first time? I did. I did enjoy myself. I, um, you know, as I'm going through it, I'm like, how could anybody ever beat this game without a walkthrough? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm super curious to ask you too. Have you guys ever beaten this? Like, um, like the first time, did you have to use a walkthrough? Like, it feels like a. Like I get that there are hints and stuff, but like mm-hmm. I would have died so many times trying to figure it. Like, be like, oh no, I have to go back and get that key. Oh no, now there are zombies crawling through the windows in this hallway that I, I thought I cleared. <laughs> uh, I'd never used a guide. Um, the first I've uh, I've watched playthroughs since then. Um, that I and I've gotten you know basically tips from that or better ways to play it. But, 
Now, the first time I, uh, I you know, trucked, uh, trucked along through it, slowly, slowly but surely. Um, I'm much better at it these days, but yeah, the first time I didn't use a walkthrough, and it was, so it's, it's a tough game. It is a hard, it's the, it is the hardest Resident Evil game, for sure. Um, I think Code Veronica might be the only one that can, uh, actually Code Veronica is probably harder, but <laughs> this is, uh, this is still a bit challenging game. Yeah, I think it's very um, yeah. difficult as well. I remember, uh, let's see, when it came out, I would have been, what age would I be, uh, 15 or so. And so I had uh, all the time in the world to <laughs> pump into this and, you know, bang my head off it. And so it um, it ended up coming through. But I think, like, if you looked, I'd say if you got out that GameCube memory card um, and looked at the playtime, it was probably, you know, 30 or 40 hours of just sort yeah, of, wow. you know, bashing your head off this thing um and that was even with i think i did it with jill so it would have been the on the easier you know side of things because mm -hmm. that's how they divide it it's like jill is um easier and chris is harder um but even then not by much right like yeah. with jill it's only it's... two extra item slots and it's you know some bits and pieces are different um for her but i mean the game is still challenging um, no matter what. And I think it's actually because of the normal enemies rather than any of the puzzles or the bosses. It's just that the game is quite hostile towards you, be it yes. with the, the hunters <laughs> or with the crimson heads or whatever else, you know? I mean, the whole thing about the first Resident Evil is it was more advantageous to run from these zombies than it was to fight them a lot of the time. And in this game, they sort of encourage that as well. But the problem is that after a time, they replace zombies with things that are harder to run from. Yeah, such as the hunter. Like the yeah. the moment when you get back from the man, they get back from the uh, the lab, and they add the hunters in to the to the mix, is kind of when the game like it, it really ramps up at that point because the hunters have not only are they faster than zombies and more relentless than zombies and can jump up areas. Um, they can one hit kill you too, which is, which I don't know if that ever happened to you, Vanessa. If you ever got one shot by a hunter, but it can happen. Um, they can um, just instant, no. instant, instant decapitate you if you're if you're. That's if right. You're, yeah, they do that yeah. little jump. Yeah. So uh, that, <laughs> it's it's very hard to die on very easy mode. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. I believe uh, um, you take more hits in uh, very. You think you take two more hits? I forget what it is. Also. I know that Jill. I always play as I check. I always play as Jill, just because I, I like Jill as, as a character in Resident Evil. Um, but Chris has his advantages in that he uh, he takes more hits. He's like the and he does more. He like he's a better. He's better at combat. He's more accurate than Jill is. Mm. Uh, and he's got the stun grenade too. Uh, who did you guys play as in this playthrough? I played as Jill. Like I, I I've only played as Jill. Uh, Chris a handful of times. I yeah, I also played as Jill. And you played as you played as Chris, uh, yeah. Luke. Yeah, I think Chris has more chance to do sort of unique, um, uh, horrible things as well. Like, you know, in Resident Evil 2, you had the ability to stamp on zombies if they're grabbing your leg. I think Chris can stamp on people's heads in this one. Mm. Um, though yeah. I, I can't really hold myself to that because this time I was trying to do a... Um, I was trying to be as passive as possible and not <laughs> shoot things until I absolutely had to. So um, you do that little trick where... Like in the first Resident Evil, you put your body up against a wall um, with your back to the wall and then the zombie will lunge at you and you yeah. kind of yeah uh, skirt around them 
is the is the big um, trick in that game. But it's harder to do in the remake because the um, hallways are kind of narrower and there, there's more margin for error than there was in um, the first Resident Evil. But uh, thankfully, they kind of give you some fun things to do, like you can stab guys with the knife. Or stun them with your Jill. Stun and then yeah. uh, Chris gets the only guaranteed headshot uh, head weapon with the sun grenades. That's the only guaranteed 100% will take off a head of a zombie in the, in the entire game. Mm. Um because they changed the shotgun in this one because in the in the in original in original Resident Evil the shotgun was basically a one hit kill if you knew yeah. it, if you knew the trick which is just you aim, aim up you aim up and you wait till they're just a, just out of lunge range and you fire instant instant head blown off yeah. um in this one it's not always guaranteed it's random it's random and uh, i believe chris has a slightly higher chance to mm. um get headshots because he's a better shot than Jill in the lore yeah. But uh, he's been in longer than Jill, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the story with Jill in this one? Does she get a lighter or does she get... She gets the lockpick. No. Oh, she gets the lockpick, yeah. Yeah, and Chris yeah, gets the, light, the lighter. It's good. Is, yeah, the lockpick's great, but the, the lighter's nice too. Just, you know, just it's one less thing to have to worry about fumbling in the, uh, in the item box for. But I usually, I don't carry around fuel. My, my, my methods have always been... I kill every zombie within an item box within an item box save room area. I make mm. sure to, and then I and I torture all those bodies. Other than that, I I tr- I kind of just live with um, crimson heads in most areas if I mm-hmm. if I if I can. Um, yeah. What I really like about this, and what I really appreciate about this version of Resident Evil, is it fleshes out the um, Spencer manner oh yeah it's it's one of the best things yeah yeah that that makes it feel like it does feel like a place but it's Mm -hmm. sort of an unreal place in the first resident evil because it feels like a a movie set in that way you know like it's a little bit kind of unwieldy of a place and it doesn't make a lot of sense in some ways but in the remake they flesh out the grounds and the the surrounding areas of the manor in a way that it starts to come together a bit more as a compound and as a, a lived in world and uh i really like that but i hate that outhouse man with the <laughs> oh with uh with lisa's at that one that's oh. that is this that's the actual scary stuff in this yeah the, the, giant the, plant the, yeah the uh the residents yeah, yeah. the re- the residents with the giant spiders and, yeah, and uh, the, giant sharks shark and, guy yeah, oh my god yeah, yeah. I had a hard time with like a, I mean, I was reading a walkthrough, so it's like, there are spiders in this room. Go ahead and just run by them. And still they scared me and I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I I agree with the Fleshing Out of Adventure Mansion, especially along the lines of adding the, uh, the Trevor family into the mix, uh, creating not only Fleshing Out of the Mansion, but Fleshing Out more history in the mansion because it takes place, that, take, that happened in like the 60s, which is 30 years before this game, which takes place in the late 90s. I think 98 is when this game takes place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think it makes Umbrella less cartoonishly evil like they are in the first game and more like um, sinister, a little more sinister with uh, the experiments they they did on this family they kidnapped. Yeah. Um, and Lisa, Lisa's whole backstory is pretty tragic. Uh, and she, you know, eventually she's what leads to tyrants and the sort uh but yeah, yeah I, re- I really appreciated that um her whole her whole uh house was 
that the whole woods area was not in the original Resident Evil Vanessa. Um, oh. And that whole section is not just, in the game. Was the uh, what waiting part like? Was the that must mean like so the tunnels were there, or the labs were there, just the mm-hmm. residents? Yeah, the lab. There's, there's always a lab. That's the Resident Evil. It's like there's always a lighthouse. There's always a lab. That's the Resident <laughs> Evil motto. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, the labs were there. The caverns were there, um, yeah. and the graveyards. A little was not as there was not as much of a graveyard. Um, it's, I don't think the residence. I think is there, but it's different. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't care for that graveyard either. Those crows. Also, <laughs> they weren't supposed to kill me, and they just really they, those are actually the things that almost killed me in the game. <laughs> it's it's funny how few enemies they can throw at you in a space, and it just becomes a, just a fight for survival. And it's like like seven crows. <laughs> right? It's like I, I just want I just want to get the the fancy gun. Please yeah, just give me time. Get the, <laughs> get the magnum and uh, just want the goddamn magnum. Uh, or you or you look through a crack and some bees come after you. I didn't um, do that because I followed the guide. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, the, those little things, I do think this game, uh, difficulty wise, it it goes a little over the edge sometimes just because the controls themselves, the amount of times you'll like go to move on to the next screen with a fixed camera, which will accidentally go back the other direction as you get, as you, as I, as I very smartly move my way past a zombie easily. And then I accidentally turn around and get grabbed by the zombie anyway. Um, mm-hmm. that's just a little rust there. Uh, and then also there are a lot of one, there are a lot of instant deaths in this game. If you don't know what you're doing <laughs> and, uh, a lot of, uh, traps in the house that can kill you. If you have no idea what you're doing, uh, which can like, be, what's, what's your favorite instant death, my favorite instant death or your uh, least favorite instant death, <laughs> my least favorite instant death. Uh, I had one once where I got instant killed. I accidentally hopped down into the water where Neptune's at when you're going to shock oh. him, and he immediately eats you if you do that. Oh. And <laughs> no, I had not care. saved in a while, in a long time. That's <laughs> so, devastating. Yeah, yeah. Those are those can be those moments that I think it's more the you know the save system which makes those kind of things a little can be a little frustrating. Um, but that's also my own design. I could have saved before that. I could have saved. Uh, I just. I uh, was confident at that point, overconfident, I guess. Uh, you know, my own my own hubris got me. Yeah, hoisted by your own petard, as it were, yes. or uh, crushed by your own falling ceiling, uh, or uh, any of those sorts of. Uh, that's my favorite one. That's the one I always remember. You could have been a jibble sandwich. They changed the line. They changed yeah. the line. Unfortunately, um, mm. I mean, it's it's for the better, but you know, it's still a bad <laughs> line. <laughs> which I, it's funny uh because this this game has you know it has better voice acting but the standards of voice acting have evolved so much in the last 20 years since this game came out to where this it still sounds pretty st- pretty robotic for the most part throughout um yeah, they still go to canada for a lot of their voices which i yeah. find strange like i don't know what capcom i suppose they had uh, an office in vancouver so they have a lot of Canadian actors and actresses there, but it's very weird yeah. to hear them uh, be all like, you know, I was worried about you. You know, you're like, okay, all right, you know. I, have, I don't know, but I, I suppose the uh, the town is like the Pacific Northwest, right? Yeah, um, it is. Raccoon City. City. So, so you're yeah. close enough, you know, you're on the border. Arclay Mountains. Um, yeah. Vanessa, do you have? A, you, you asked the question. Do you have a favorite uh, instant death uh, in this game? Oh, I followed the the guide, so I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I never encountered one. Although um, Lisa did accidentally nudge me off of the um, oh, the tomb the tomb yeah. area, and that was the one time I did die. 
that's that sounds frustrating. It was that, frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> that part was a bummer. Did you give? I guess you followed a guy. So you, I'm sure you gave Barry his gun back then. Yeah, I'm happy I did. Uh, well, I mean, only because it was the right thing to do. But um, on my own, I probably would have just let him die. So I'm happy I didn't make that yeah. harder for myself. I, as I played that part, I'm like, I bet Vanessa probably didn't give him the gun. I'm like, oh, she, she followed a guy. She probably did. But she probably I did. I didn't. Not. I didn't want to though. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Barry. They 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 flesh they they definitely flesh out the plot a lot in this uh, in this version. And Barry's he's being um, blackmailed by Wesker, and and in, in to uh, help him destroy stuff in the mansion like evidence. And in this version, a lot of there's a lot of destroyed evidence in the backgrounds of uh, of areas. If you look like a lot of destroyed glass and torn up. If you like mm. when when you're investigating stuff, there's a lot of torn up things which are not in the original version. And that was kind of to emphasize that uh wesker and barry are going around destroying everything um, oh interesting yeah uh well, on the other hand luke plays chris so he gets rebecca instead of barry that's right uh, and he gets to yeah. play as rebecca occasionally rebecca so. has some great um lines in this um like i'm rebecca and what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, did you get poisoned by uh yon uh, while you were when you were fighting in the first time i or- did not I not. not, yeah. So if you do, you yeah, Vanessa, you have to you get to play as Rebecca to go get the serum that you get for oh. Richard. Um, it is uh, Richard, and Richard's probably just already dead. No, no, Richard he's not make it. Also in the Chris playthrough, correct, Luke? He's still there, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, yeah he's a. Uh, although I think he gets eaten by a shark in Chris's playthrough. Mm. Oh, <laughs> poor Richard. Or maybe he doesn't either one, and if you do, if you, do, you I think he has, he has to survive the yawn fight. Yeah. Um, and then he still could eat my Neptune, I believe. <laughs> I, I believe. So messed up. Yeah. <laughs> but you get the assault shotgun, so it's all worth it. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. That shotgun I, is very good. Yeah, I do love that um, aspect of Resident Evil games in general, and Capcom games as well do this. Um, that they re- they reward you for playing the game well, like through in like even in a playthrough, like with giving you better better gear or if you do the beginning of the game in a certain if you beat like if you get through the mansion in a certain order at the beginning or fast enough i think barry will give you like acid rounds um for your grenade launcher or really early on before you even have one uh, which is pretty cool and stuff little stuff like that i really like um just to reward multiple playthroughs which is a staple of resident evil games i almost i've I don't think I've ever played a Resident Evil game more less than twice, other than Zero, because I just don't like Zero. <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, it's funny, though. Why do you think that something like Zero doesn't work and One does? Because Zero is so heavily cribbed from One. Is, it, just, the, is it that swapping system, the tag system, just doesn't I, like hold together? Yeah, I think, the, yeah I think it's... The, I think the, the swapping system doesn't work. I don't like... I don't like the leaving items everywhere thing. I just I, I just prefer the item box system, the infinite item box. Um, I don't know. I think it's just missing a spark uh, that that the other games have. It just feels kind of like just kind of there as a Resident Evil game. I don't think it's the worst Resident Evil game in terms of just like quality overall. I think it's the most forgettable Resident Evil game, though. Yeah, I would put it sort of along the same lines as Code Veronica. I mean, I think Code Veronica is better, definitely, but I think it's sort of of that that level because it's not I don't think Resident Evil Zero I think it was an outside developer did it just like Tosei did Code Veronica so I think it's sort of um, 
and also ran in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, just, just, I mean, clearly a lot more care and love was put into one remake than was zero. Yeah, uh, I do, personally I do like I like Code Veronica quite a bit. I'd like a I'd like a remake of Code Veronica. I think it, I think it's the yeah. next one I would want over over four. And four is my favorite, but um, I think four I think four holds up really really well personally. I, uh, I do as well. I mean, there's a reason that it's it's yeah. Um, yeah. just re released on everything, you know, because it can be. Um, I think yeah, zero is 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 a, a weird one, and Code Veronica is strange as well because. Code Veronica, as you said, very difficult game. They, yeah. there's a lot yes. of, there is yes. a lot of uh, instances in that where you'll run out of ammo and you'll just be, you know, you'll have to, you'll be hosed, you know. Yeah, you the, there's uh, a midway boss fight in that game where if you don't have enough ammo, you literally can't beat the game. <laughs> like you, there's a boss awful. fight. Yeah, that's like, it's uh, that game is too hard for its own good. But I like how it's it's also incredibly goofy and incredibly soap opera. Um, it's it's kind of like it it just go uh, the Ashford twins or something else. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, and what's that guy's name? Billy Zane or whatever. Uh, Billy, Billy. Billy. <laughs> Billy. Uh, he's with a name like Billy. You can only imagine what he's like, Vanessa. He's a uh, he's he's a uh, <laughs> player's. Has he become the love interest? And I get it. Become, I think he becomes the love interest. Just that. Uh, because he's a guy and she's a woman, and it's a and you know it's a story. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to be love interests. It's actually kind of funny though, isn't it? Because like generally, Resident Evil is quite a sexless kind of series. You know, people don't have time for, for um, there's a lot of sexual sort of tension between some but characters. But not much, yeah. But not much like actual yeah. love there. You know, I don't think uh, Ada and and Leon are going shopping at Pottery Barn at the weekend. You know, no, no, uh, they're just killing each other, but also loving each other at the same time. It's, uh, it's nice. Yeah, uh, Ada does make an appearance in this game in the form of pass in the form of a password. Uh, so, yeah, so they kind of tie it all together a little bit. It's fun, isn't it, to go back? Um, like it must have been fun for them to try and weave it more into two, because in a lot of ways, like Resident Evil Two is sort of a standalone thing from one, except for you know Chris um, Redfield and Claire Redfield being related, and also some nods to it. You know, you can find uh, the chopper guy in the in the underpass if you do things the right way or you can mm-hmm. find that that weird photo of Rebecca in a basketball uniform if you do things <laughs> yeah. the right way um, but like apart from that it's they're quite separate It's a, it's a, yeah. The original two is holds up much better than the original one does. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still solid. I think um, yeah, the remake of two is great, also. But uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I enjoyed that thoroughly, and I think that, that that's certainly an approach that they could have taken. Like, do you think they'll ever get around to doing one 
in that style, in the style of the new remakes? Or do you think it's something that's needed, um, given that, that, that this one exists? Person, to me, I don't think it's needed, but for the in, with the, in the grander scheme, I, I think with the direction they're taking everything in, I mean, they did two and three, and they made them, they connected them even more than they were originally with, this, with the new remakes. So I could see them doing it with one. But I do love this game, and it feels it's 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 kind of like not only is it one of if not the greatest remakes ever made, just in this purest, it's the purest meaning of a remake. Um, it's also kind of like the swan song for this genre because there just aren't games like this anymore, and that's for a reason. You know, they're they uh, they're a niche. They're definitely a niche. But uh, I'll always have this game, so I would not mind a remake, and I definitely play a remake of another remake of one. Mm. With um, with the more modern controls, and I'm sure I'd, I'm sure I'd enjoy it. But uh, what about you, Vanessa? Would you play? Would you like a modern remake of this game as opposed to what this is currently? Um, not knowing what the other what, what exactly a modern remake entails. Um, they so really do. do but, yeah, what do they do for the modern? They remakes? really do capture like this, but with but with controls that make more sense to people these days. With the with, especially in remake and the two remake, the third one, I like remake three quite a bit, but it's it's way more actiony. Um, mm. but the remake two, uh, really, in there's a, they really get everything from the original games essentially into it. They just give you a lot. They give you full mo- full movement. You know, there's no more fixed camera angles. Uh, and but a lot of the same systems in there. The zombies they had they did a good job of getting the bullet spongy zombies back into it. Um, and I think they balanced it really well for with uh, to go along with your more agile character. Mm. So yeah, they could definitely do it with one, and I think it would be good because because yeah. uh, so. the new thing about the newer remakes um, is that they use photo telemony or however you say that, where um, they use very high quality. Um, photographs for a lot of things, and so the gore and everything in it is just so gnarly. Like it's, it's yeah, horrible. It's, it's, yeah, it's, so, it's a, they're really good looking games. And, uh, yeah, they, some of the stuff that, that would yeah. go on in the first Resident Evil with that plant and those giant bees would just be too much for me. I think if they were like you know if those bees were rendered and <laughs> or like spiders, you know, <laughs> no, those spiders, those furry spiders. Oh my, oh, yeah, I can only the fur is just so. Ooh, yeah. it's so gross. I think that's just... the worst part of the spiders is how furry they are to me. They're so of... furry. <laughs> like, but yeah, I can imagine. And you know the, how the plant. I don't know if you read the notes, of Vanessa, but the plant sucks blood, and that's how it kills people. I can just imagine them making a whole cutscene dedicated to that in the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, I I would definitely play a, a modern remake of one, but I still love this game. I love the and I think it. I love the fixed camera angles. I love how they they kept that same thing and. They just improved upon it in this one. Instead of just keeping the same like same static angle, they used different different angles of the same room to to cast shadows and also to show things off in the foreground and background. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of cool mirror tricks with enemies that are really fun. Um, and uh, so yeah, it's or you or hearing thing like in the billiard room or whatever the rec room in the residence, you can hear the spider above you, but you can't see it until you walk upstairs. Mm-hmm. Stuff yeah. like that. It's just really unsettling. And I mean, naturally, you could look up if you were if it was really if you were really there. But uh, yeah. stuff that you can't. You, those are things you can't capture without fixed angles, like having to move out of the shot into another one and aiming off into space, not being able to actually see what you're shooting at. 
that's the tension that you will never be able to recapture with. Um, yeah, I think it does a really good job of that. And it's also like for people that have played the game before, it's that subversion there again, because you've been in those rooms and you mm-hmm. expect it like with the dogs jumping through the window, which is one of the classic Resident Evil scares. <laughs> you know it's coming, but you you don't know how it's coming. Yeah. Did, you, did, did, did I know it was coming? <laughs> the no, the funny thing is the room, it happens and it's different in this game than in the room it is in the first game. Right, in the, yeah. in this game, the windows are already broken in the room you think it's going to happen in, which is yeah. the most unsettling part. If you know if you know why they're broken, <laughs> and uh, I, there's also little touches like the you know the the birdcage room where the crows are just hanging out, cawing all the time. Like the they aren't I there before <laughs> when you get back, the windows open, and then you hear the birds, and it's like little things like that are great. There's those crow of, those crow sounds are so creepy. Yeah, the sound the sound design in this game is is top notch. Is it's, there a note as to is there a note in the game about you know the umbrella or whoever the Trevor family any of these people like training those birds to, to <laughs> not, not that I know give of. out to people for not pressing those paintings in the right order. I have, just, <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you didn't light them in the right order, asshole, and then yeah. just they swarm you. Uh, uh, I would love to just meet the Spencer, get the, uh, the Spencer family when they were designing this uh, this home. And uh, all right, this is going to be the lit, this is going to be the lit painting room full yeah, exactly. of crows. <laughs> <laughs> Better than <laughs> this is how you get the death mask. <laughs> this is how you yeah. get the death mask. <laughs> Better than that's just like dogs, hanging out right? on the on the ground too, like yeah, the know. death mask of that one. It's like it's safe because of the crow room, even though it's outside, <laughs> and I could climb that fence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like whoever designed that place is is a genuine madman because yeah. they're like you know. Our, our mad lady, whoever it was, architect of that place, were like, well, you know, this this wing of the house will be locked off with um, these keys that can be used a finite amount of times. And, you know, don't even think about going in this room if you don't have the jewels to put in the, the panther's head or whatever else. You know, you're gonna get <laughs> a small closet like, with a panther head in it yeah. that you get the jewels to. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then... I, yeah, and then those rooms, those key rooms, are when the game designers are the most assholeish because you can. That's when they'll throw. Once you go to that room and realize you have to come back to it, when you come back, that's when they'll have more zombies in there that have gotten exactly. in there. Exactly, it's clever. Yeah, yeah. It's or, clever? <laughs> it's or, like the worst. <laughs> or when you thought you and a place is empty, and then all of a sudden a door starts shaking with stuff behind it, or sometimes they'll break through that door. Mm. Um, that was it, the coolest thing, right? Because in that first game you always had the respite of the yeah. doors and um, you had the, the loading screens as well that were always a, a safe haven. And then in Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation, they threw in that thing where at one point you open a door and then there's a zombie there and you're like, oh, what the Yeah, okay. yeah that's the moment when you put the controller down for a second and just like yeah. you're thinking about, okay, what am I going to do next? And all of a sudden there's zombies swarming you. Exactly. Um, yeah, they... they you think they're going to do it in the first game and they never do. And they really, they really held off on Cause you know, I feel like they had to have thought about it that first game. They had to have considered doing that. And they're like, no, no, we're going to wait. I just want to know. I would love to know. I would love if that was what happened. And they're like, no, we're going to wait. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, which makes it even better. Uh, then they, and then they also some to take away um, your safety of just killing a zombie with the crimson heads, uh, which is probably the, the, I th- I think one of the better new additions to the game because it just it just adds a whole other layer of, strat- of strategy and resource management onto the game because you only have so much kerosene to work with and there's on they're only in so many different places 
Um, so inventory management is a huge part of Resident Evil, which is why I always pick Jill because she gets more slots. But uh, and Jill's my favorite character. But uh, with as much as character, as much as people are characters in Resident Evil, they're. Uh, I, I did not appreciate the um, limited amount of kerosene. Like the first <laughs> time I ran out, yeah. then I'm like, "Well, I yeah. saw one of these outside. Let me go get some over there." Oh no! Nope, now there are dogs over here. <laughs> that's that's actually a good a good experience to have in this game. I, I, mean, I know that might sound weird, but I really do think <laughs> I really do think running out of stuff in this game the first like that first time you play it should feel like a pain in the it, like I feel like. Because it teaches it, it's teaching you how to play the game better for a few subsequent playthroughs. It's like I guess I didn't have to to use to burn that zombie over there. I could I wish I would have had it for this one over here, which is in a way more annoying spot for me to be for, to deal with the crimson head, like that one in the fucking weird mirror, yellow mirror room with that other zombie that kept getting you know you know the first crimson head, the one that they te- teach you about them with essentially. There's a yeah. zombie laying on the ground. It's the it's the one that leads into the door with all the with the night statues that kill you if you don't put the key in the slot. Um, anyway, and also there's another zombie in there. And he, every time I went, ran by him, the, the crimson head just smacked that other zombie right in the face every time. <laughs> it, gave, it gave me a good chuckle every every single time it happened. Can they fight <laughs> each other? Can they turn on one another? Um, they, only, they only want living flesh. Okay. I don't, they will not. They they won't eat each other or kill each other, but they will hate each other. Yeah, you don't have monster infighting like yeah. in Doom or. Yeah, that'd be that'd be too nice if you could get a hunter, to, a sick, get a sick oh, hunter, a crimson head or something. Yeah, that'd be uh, be pretty good. If you could pick one, like, I know this might sound like too reductive, but you could pick one standout moment from this game, like the, the thing you think of, whether it's a feeling, an actual moment, something you did that just like sticks with you the most from this game. You think you could you could nail that down? Yeah, I could indeed. I uh, was thinking <laughs> about this. I like the moment where uh, um, the very first moment you walk into the dining room mm-hmm. um, in the game, and as you walk through. Uh, the camera follows you as you go through because the, the dining room is rendered in such a way that they're able to move the camera through it. Mm. And it's a different angle than it was in the first version of Resident Evil on the PlayStation. And it's so atmospheric with the lightning outside and the, the way the lighting is coming through mm-hmm. the window there. Um, and then that whole sequence leading into the point where you see the first zombie munching on that guy um, is... Uh, you know, it's it's a masterclass in sort of you know bringing back all those memories that you had, but also showing you that like oh this is different now. You know, it's, it's yeah, not, this isn't your dad's Resident Evil. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be something um, new and scarier. And I think the thing about this version of Resident Evil that I think it really gets across is like it's not so much like a B movie anymore. 
I mean, it is in the situation that you're in, but the, the diegesis of it is much more grounded and much more, uh, I suppose it's a, it's a more dire tone than it had been in the first one. You know, the first one kind of had like this campy vibe to it. Yeah. With the live action cutscenes. Yeah. yeah. Sort of a movie ish feel, but this definitely feels like it's, it's not messing around with you this time. And, uh, there's danger here. And you can't rely on your your memories, you know. It's it's a new it's a new world, and and you're for dinner. Yeah, I think I, I think the two most iconic moments in Resident Evil, like you know, the first two I think of, are that are the the first zombie encounter in Resident Evil One, a remake one. I should say the first one that's what comes to mind usually is the the higher de- the, the HD version of it, essentially, and then uh, the village in Resident Evil Four, um, or the, the the initial village encounter, or the those are the I think the two strongest openings in the series uh, overall. So yeah, I can definitely, I definitely understand that. Also uh, another funny touch is that if you, that tape you get from Kenneth, the dead guy at the beginning, if you watch it, it's just him getting eaten. It's just, it's like, it's not very exciting. It's like a five second clip of him getting murdered by a zombie. It's it's a payoff for this thing. You've got like hours ago, you finally get to watch like, Oh, okay. He gets killed by the zombie anyway. That's what happened. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, Vanessa, same question for you. Do you have anything that you could uh, you could point to? Um, small, big or small? Um, yeah, I think surprisingly, I, I really enjoyed like um, in the aqua ring. Like once you're in that like control room, I think that sequence is pretty fun. Where you're like, you know, like gonna go kill these sharks, and it's like, oh, disaster! And then like the shark comes and hits the glass, and it's, you know, I was playing it again on very very easy mode, so I had lots <laughs> <Yeah>. of time. <laughs> it was never really stressful. I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And also I knew what to do because I was reading the guys. <laughs> so I could really, uh, really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got that done this time with 90%. Um, 90%. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was cutting it close this time. I was uh, a little, not, not my best run, but yeah. And then the payoff of killing Neptune with the, with the generator is pretty good too. Um, shocking that giant shark to death is fun. Um, yes. I'd say for myself, it's a small thing. It's just that feeling uh, whenever your key says or item says you don't you have no more use for this. Would you like to discard it? It's like, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> and then <laughs> I only it's, it's satisfying on so many levels. It's like I because I get a lot of satisfaction out of getting out of exploring the entire mansion um, and exploring the entirety of games. I get a lot, a lot out of that. And just letting me know that this item that's taking up an entire slot in my six slot inventory or whatever, six, I think it's like, um, Right, uh, is no is I don't need to use it anymore, and I got everything I need out of it. Is just it's it's uh, cathartic, really is every time. It's like yes, I did it, or it's also that feeling of when you're trying to find that very last door you, you, you use for the for the keys. It's always it's always good. Um, for us, and then I was I usually bring it back around, Luke, with uh, frustrating moments, and I'll I'll start. I'm trying to think of. What's the moment that I just like that I wish was different or hmm. I think this is kind of like always I think I have Resident Evil is like the back third of the game. It's usually the weakest section in terms of design because it's usually it's a lot more funneled and it's a lot more, you know, building towards the climax of the game mm-hmm. and then a lot less exploration focused. So I think the caverns are using are my least favorite part of the game. They're just kind of pretty bland mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not. Not a whole lot going on there. I like the I like the Lisa stuff, um, but 
I like the Barry stuff where he he pulls points a gun at you, you give it back to him immediately, and then afterwards you're like just friends again all of a sudden. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like there's like no acknowledgement at all of uh, that. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say the caverns, and then also sometimes getting hit um, based on a shitty camera angle can be kind of frustrating. But you know, you take mm-hmm. the good with the bad. But those awesome, those awesome camera angles and uh, pre-rendered backgrounds. Um, Vanessa, you had a frustrating moment that you really, uh, mm. really, really, uh, sticks in your craw, whatever the fucking <laughs> Many of this game was very frustrating to me. Pass a zombie, and I'm like, I think I can dodge this zombie. Nope. Um, anytime I'm like, these crows shouldn't hurt me if I run fast. Nope. <laughs> um, the shark, if I stay close to the, the edge or close to the railing, I feel like it'll be okay based on the videos I've been watching. Nope. <laughs> like literally every single thing that could possibly hurt me did hurt me. Um, <laughs> Make it look so easy that was, <laughs> yeah, that didn't make me feel great about yeah. uh, my game playing strategy. Um, so the, the, the fuel thing was like a super bummer because again, I was like, Oh, I've got plenty of fuel. Oh wait, it ran out. Um, okay. There's one outside over here. Oh no. Now there are dogs. Um, <laughs> there were new villains. Like I can only imagine like, um, without the guide, I probably would have had a hard time. Like, you know, I would have had a much harder time, um, trying to figure this out. Um, and that wasn't really frustrating. It was just kind of like, uh, most of the zombies were frustrating. I really hate being chased. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, usually they're, they're particularly fast. So even no. other than like the hunters. So yeah. Uh, and those ones, and again, like very easy mode, they have everything kind of just dies right away. So it's not too bad. Um, but the camera angles, though, I did, I did happen a lot where, um, you know, like, I think especially like the one most notable is like in, um, in the library when you're fighting Yawn the second time, you're like, I mean, I'm like, okay, gonna run around the bookshelf. Oh, nope, ran right towards the snake again because the camera changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I should say that I should add that very easy mode was added for the HD remake, uh, HD remaster, <laughs> HD remaster that they released uh, in 2015, which, we, which was what we all played. Uh, I played this one on the, this time on the Switch, by the way. I wasn't a big fan of the handheld controls, and I, I could never really get comfortable with it. That's it. But, uh, uh, that's what I. What you played on, Luke? I played it on um, the PC um, with an uh, an Xbox 360 controller, so not too bad, you know. Yeah. Um, those triggers aren't my favorite thing in the world, um, you know. But I, I'd say it's better than playing it on a Switch. I've been playing that new Monster Hunter, and for some reason, even though the Switch has the same buttons as every other controller known to man, there's something about the Z R Z L and then the L and R that it's confuse me. Like I never the worst know which naming convention. Yeah. yeah, it's a uh, it's horrible. I, I never know. And you know, playing this on the GameCube was funny as well, right? Because that controller was such a uh, a weird thing. But there is something quite satisfying about pulling down that trigger to aim your gun. Yeah, it's, press it's, that, it's that big old Fisher Price button to shoot it. It's got a big click. Too. It's got a really big click in that of GameCube controller. So yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Um, Vanessa, what do you play it on? Uh, Switch. Switch. Okay. Uh, all right, Luke. You, you have a frust- You have anything? You have any twenty-year-old uh, frustrations with this game? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think about uh, what what one in particular is is frustrating about it. Um, I think the whole section. I'm not mad on the area with the shark guys. Mm-hmm. Um, just just that specific section to, to do with those shark fellows. I'm not crazy on that. Uh, I think that the uh, the rest of it, though, I mean, they, they tightened it up in such a way that, like, 
any complaints I could have about the game are, are nullified by the fact that there's so much to uh, do and see and there's so many little surprises in there that um, anything that I found too frustrating, there's always something else that's going to like wow you in a moment or um, if, especially if you're familiar with the first Resident Evil, the amount of changes and things really tickle you, you know, I think it's a little bit like, it's like uh, you know, going home to a the house you grew up in uh, when, when, you know, it, not that this would ever happen, but if you ever visited a house you grew up in and like new people lived there and you'd be like, you know uh, why why is there, uh, you know, why is my room a different colour or whatever else it's that same sort of uncanny feeling of uh, discovery but also memory all at once, you know mm-hmm. so uh, I, th- I think that any frustrations that I did have with it, you know are also frustrations that were with the first game but are now you know, made new again and made fresh at least. So at least, you know, the hunters were a pain in the ass in the first Resident Evil, but at least now they're sort of a new, different pain in the ass and they behave a little differently. Yeah, and they look, I, they look I, a little better too. I hate, yeah. The, oh, yeah, those, yeah. man, the hunters in the first game look like the most, you know, I mean, they should be on the, the high school uh, American football team, you know what I'm saying, guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, here they'd be on the, the rugby squad, but yeah, um, they're yeah. stocky, stocky little Definitely. bastards. Yeah, yeah, those guys, they'd be, what do you call those fellas, um, linebackers? Is that what yeah, you call them? linebackers. Yeah. <laughs> yep, those guys. Yeah, they're, uh, they're Vanessa, uh, hunters come from frogs, by the way. I don't remember there's, I don't remember there's a thing in the game about that, but they come from I th- frogs. I think there's, like, something in the lab where um, maybe there's a slide or something. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd, we didn't really talk about it beforehand. Uh, the story in this game is a lot more fleshed out than it is in the original mm-hmm. one, like I said prior. Um, especially if you play as Chris, you get a lot more Wesker stuff as Chris than you do uh, yeah. Jill. Jill gets a lot of Barry stuff to explain that whole uh, everything. Better, better, better stuff, I think. Anything with Barry is good. Yeah, good old Barry. He's um, a good guy. Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny, actually, that you said that frog thing. I was just thinking... You know, is there any sort of, do you think there's some sort of battle toads envy going on at Capcom? <laughs> so <they're> like, <laughs> I would love to know if Shinji Mikami was like, God, man, they really nailed it. They really nailed video games with battle toads. I, want, yeah. I, just, I just wish I could capture that. A, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you follow the story of Vanessa? Do you? Could you could do you think you could follow? Because in classic Resident Evil fashion, and this goes throughout the series, characters come and go into scenes like like ghosts. Like there's there's no reason <laughs> they should be where they're at in the in the in the context of where you're at in the game or the location you're at, and there's no reason why they should just vanish. Also, but they somehow do all the time. It's kind of like they <laughs> the directors always like just say, all right, this character Ada Wong's here. No, or uh, you probably give no idea that is probably, but uh, he's not in this game. But uh, I, think, I think she might appear in the movies. Or when like where Barry walks up behind you somewhere and he's like, "Yeah, we're just exploring the mansion. What are you doing here?" And uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. But actual plot wise, do you think you you got it? Um, well, I um, I spent um, many many hours watching um, someone do like the, the walkthrough, and so. Um, you know, he like stopped and picked up all the things and like, you know, tell you like, do like the, the TLDR version of like, this is what I'm reading right now. And this is what's happening. And oh yeah, this is Lisa. And I think she's probably like the most, um, you know, she really had a bad life, so we shouldn't hurt her. <laughs> probably the most tragic character in Evil history. Is yeah, Lisa exactly. Trevor. So but. I think, um, playing through it, I probably wouldn't have, um, as much. I mean, I wouldn't have known that like, you know, Barry's like 
something's up with Barry, I would have killed him. I wouldn't have given this gun back if I had playing on playing it on my own. <laughs> oh, Barry, oh man. Right, and obviously right. Wesker was the villain because he's in those files from like and he wears sunglasses the 60s. at all times. So you never yeah. see his actual eyes, so he's a, he's it's very easy to pick him out in that lineup. <laughs> yeah, it's it is funny when he's in the slides and it's just him also wearing sunglasses, still wearing sunglasses in a yes. lap. It's really <laughs> like, it's like who could that who could the traitor be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I do like that stuff. You have to you. Um, have to do work to find like you know they definitely do the they they don't spell a lot of the a lot of the you know, back story out for you you have to figure that out for yourself but i guess the main through line is pretty straightforward in this one and wesker i think also in the original game wesker um does, it doesn't look like he gets away as, as much as it does in this game they because um i don't think they've planned to get back to wesker until later on, they're like, oh, we should bring Wesker back. Because uh, <laughs> he's pretty absent in 2, right? And then yeah, I don't think he's in to, 2 at all. He's not in 2, no. Um, I mean, except for that he kept, you know, you see his office or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where he... Is he, he in Remake 2? Uh, I don't think so. I, I he, don't remember now if he is yeah. or not. Do you think yeah. they would sprinkle some seeds there? Because they he's definitely, a, definitely a constant... Do. I mean, he de- he comes back in five, right? He's not in four, I don't think. Uh, he's he's briefly mentioned in four. He, yeah. I think he, I think he talks to um, Krauser at one point over like oh. radio radio or something, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have a little um, yeah. yes, Mr. President. Also yeah, such a moment. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, then he's he's fully in five, and you blow him up in a volcano at the end. <laughs> that's, uh, Resident Evil goes places, and that's a, <laughs> that's a yeah. And then you play the son in the sixth one. Oh, it is actually funny, right? That it kind of like Resident Evil One is so quaint compared to where the, compared to what it gets. Yeah, yeah. They had to really go bigger and and, and I compare it to you. the Fast and the Furious franchise a lot. They're very similar in terms of like their progression <laughs> in, uh, in t- towards uh, the ridiculous. Um, you know, with very quaint beginnings in, in retrospect. Yeah, these guys stealing stereos um, yeah. turns into them, them stealing bank vaults. Yeah, in, yeah. Turns, uh, into, turns into them saving the world from nuclear terrorists and stuff like that. Sure. Um, you know what? Why not? <laughs> I, I've never, I've, I've only seen the first one of those movies. I've seen um, all of them. I am a fan, but the second one is the only, in my opinion, the second one is the only truly awful movie in that franchise. What um, is that? That's Tokyo Drift? That's Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, Too Fast. <laughs> Tokyo Drift has has, has, has its charms, and I'm a, I'm a fan. But well, I like the way that, I, just by osmosis, I've picked up on the fact that, like, Tokyo Drift for a long time was an outlier and they sort of had to work up to Tokyo yep. Drift for it's, years. It, it is now like chronologically the seventh movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so they finally a, caught up yeah. to Tokyo Drift timeline now. And so yeah. now the real stuff can happen. Yeah, now, now, that they really, now that they really explained Han. I also find it very interesting that like that series, Fast and Furious now, not Resident Evil. I don't know if this is the same <laughs> Resident Evil, but like it's... Um, it's such a clash of like egos there, right? Because everyone doesn't like one another that works on it. I, I yeah, always find yeah. that sort of stuff in movies so interesting. Like that's yeah, acting. Vin Diesel and The Rock don't get along particularly yeah. well. But like, why not? Like, yeah. surely they're just the same guy in a way. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock uh, is much bigger than Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they have a fist fight in the fifth one. Do you, do you mean bigger in terms of like stardom? I suppose so, right? Oh, I thought also size. He's like a oh, yeah. giant man. 
both. And also, he's, he's a larger man in both ways. I think The Rock is more of a um, a jock than Vin Diesel, right? Vin Diesel loves yeah. his, his Dungeons and Dragons, and he loves. I mean, his, yeah, uh, he's he's going to be in the next Ark game or something. So yeah, he probably has some latent kind of mm-hmm. hostility there towards, um, you know, The Rock. Who, the Rock uh, probably would beat, beat him up in high school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giving him a swirly. These two massive yeah. men. <laughs> like, because Vin Diesel, by any measure, is is a huge, uh, hulking man. Really, unless you and, unless you stand him next to the rock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's very silly. And I, I don't know if there was a similar clash in. Um, I imagine there is. Actually, there is in Resident Evil. Chris world. with Chris himself. <laughs> that happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chris turns yeah. into the rock over time, yeah. but um, and then he turns into sort of a, a husk of a man. He turns into like a you know Ewan McGregor. Um, yeah. In the in the latest one, by looks things, but like a beefy Ewan McGregor. Yeah, like, uh, he, like a really stuff. He actually looks a little bit like his body habitus or his body, you know, mass looks a little bit like the hunters from Resident Evil One. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at him, in Resident Evil Eight, the the renders for it, he's just like a very strange looking dude. But um, yeah, they do have that clash, right? Because at the center of Resident Evil, there's the the old way and the new way, right? Which you've um, expressed a little bit that like. You can't go back to the fixed camera angles again, but there's people that love it the same way. I'm sure there's people that, that love the first Fast and Furious. There's probably people stewing for years now yeah, about are. what's happened to to their series. They're like, oh, funny they'd make a real Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, they funny they'd steal some stereos. It would be very funny if they did go back to that, though. Like if the next Fast and Furious. <laughs> the really small scale stuff. Really that would small be that. scale. Yeah, yeah. That, would, that would be pretty funny. Uh, they... Yeah, there definitely are fans that wanted to go back to just being about cars, really. And it yeah. hasn't been about cars for a long. It's been about family the whole time, you know. Yeah, uh, but not cars. No, yeah, it's yeah. it's funny that though, like that for a time there, that was such a part of the the culture. You remember um, EA had their Need for Speed Underground, and it was all that sort of kit car culture, drag racing, things mm-hmm. like that. There was something in the air that was really that was really happening there with the Fast and Furious. Um, and it just, it, it passed us by. And I think Resident Evil is one of those things as well, that like, it's such a, Resident Evil is such a different thing to different people, right? Because you could imagine someone that doesn't play the games, maybe passively knows their games, but like loves the Resident Evil movies, um, you know. And, like and like Vanessa. Yeah, like Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Are you looking forward, incidentally, Vanessa, to the um, Resident Evil reboot uh, movie now that's coming out this year? September. Oh, what? Yeah, the new is another is a live this. action one coming out this year. And you've primed the pump. Does it have now. M- Mila Jovovich in again? Oh, I think it's more. I think it's more true to the actual plot of Resident Evil. Yeah, I, I don't think Mila, but they are making a TV show as well, which you've primed the pump for now because you've played through Resident Evil One about the Wesker kids moving into Raccoon City and discovering... Oh, yeah. Welcome to Raccoon City, I see. Yeah. Their, son, their sunglassed father. Um, yeah, what a... Wear those sunglasses all the time and then they'll discover the, the horrible truth. The horrible truth of the sunglasses. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, the Fast and Furious, we talked about how it's, it's getting bigger and bigger, and Resident Evil did do that, but they did eventually pull it back uh, yeah. with Seven uh, and also the two remakes as well. Uh, but Seven, compared to Six, is... Quite quite small and better yeah. off for it. I like six is uh-huh. just nuts. Like yeah. just everything about it, so silly. Um, 
but the mercenaries in six very good i i would maintain that the the controls in six once you get used to them are very versatile and very interesting yeah, they're they're, they're interesting they are a lot of the movement options um yeah. but bringing it back to bringing it all the way back to remake um I usually have a section here where I let Jason, you know, talk about the music of the game as much as he as much as he wants to, because you know that's his thing. Um, but I'll I'll just go and say that I think the sound design and the ambient tracks and the um, especially the save room music is just I, not only iconic, but I find it very. There's a like sort of suit when I get when I start playing Resident Evil game and a lot of the sound effects come back. There's like a very comforting quality 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 to them for me. Um, and a lot of Capcom games as well because they use a lot of the same stuff. Um, yep. it's, it's a comfort for me, and uh, I think that they are iconic for a reason. And uh, um, so I just want to point out that, yeah, the sound design is incredibly strong and helps making this game as, as scary as it is. And it was the scary for the Neil game for quite a while until 7 came out, which I think is, is now the scary for the Neil, in my opinion. Well, um, I only... Um... I only listen to the Resident Evil director's cut music. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Jason's ever listened to that, but Jason, when you're editing this podcast, you haven't listened to director's cut music, which you probably have, knowing him. Uh, yes. Go back and do that. And just hate yourself because that is. He probably, a, he probably owns it. Yeah, the director's, anyone, cut, director's cut. I do music. not. Thank you. <laughs> I've been listening the whole time, guys. Yeah, I knew he was, but I was you know, trying to play play with the magic, you know. The, yeah, for for the uninitiated, the yeah, director's cinema, cut, the, the magic of cinema. Yeah, um, the, the director's cut music is great because um, a guy, uh, I I can't think of the composer's name now, but he had pretended that he was a composer for many years, uh, even though he was deaf. Um, or he claimed to be deaf and a composer, but what he would do is he would farm out the composition to people um and he uh, farmed out the composition for resident evil director's cut i believe to someone who didn't know how to write music and neither did this guy who was pretending to be a musician and so the music that you have in resident evil director's cut is like the oddest sort of atonal piano it just sounds like someone you know throwing stuff at keys or throwing a piano down the stairs it's insane it's very funny and um all the more funny because it was built on a, a house of lies um, by this fella. <laughs> yeah, they, it's like more, it's like really, they changed pretty much everything in the music. It's like a completely different composition. And it's yeah. like, it's very synth heavy and really weird. It does not fit Resident Evil at all. It can, especially when you plop your plant. It's very forgettable in a lot of ways too. It's just bad. It's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> like, uh, and but very, but very good. In, in yeah, in but also so very bad. good. It's uh, so I I forgot to put out a post for listener questions. Um, so I will not be, unfortunately be doing that segment this this uh, this episode. Um, I'm sure all the listeners are very upset with me now. But uh, I, I have I so many questions. Yeah, I that. you're fired. Which way, way. Fired Gore multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, first question. Um, no, yes, please, please. As people who didn't follow walkthroughs, what is the what? What did, what did you? What did uh, either of you find to be like the most challenging? Like maybe back in your first one, even what is the puzzle that you were like, oh, I just couldn't figure that one out on my own. The puzzles. Uh, like any any puzzle from any of the the many puzzles that are in mm-hmm. many puzzles or weird tricks in this this game. I think the V the V jolt puzzle is 
pretty weird in the way you have to do it. It's a lot of uh, a lot of juggling liquids back and forth, mm-hmm. um, and so it can be easy to lose track of that. Um, so probably that. That's the first one that comes to mind. Whenever I think of like the ridiculous puzzles in Resident Evil, which we didn't talk much about, um, that's what makes this game such a point-and-click adventure in a sense. Is like really obscure puzzles with really obscure solutions, and I love them. I love that's like my, one of my favorite parts of Resident Evil, of these older Resident Evil games. Um, and now that the new ones have this bit too, <clears throat> um, but the puzzle solving, which is a really, really big part of this game. Uh, but yeah, I think the V jolt is the one that comes to mind. So I'll, I'll go with that one. I'll go with the V jolt. Yeah. I'm th- trying to think here, um, about anyone in particular that's sort of, I, I think that thing that I talked about earlier with the crows, it's one of those things that like, I know the solution if I think about it, but I'm always impatient about it. And then I get, you know, crows after me. And <laughs> I do. I do like that uh, they they let you solve if you know if you memorize it <clears throat> if you already know the answer you can solve it before you even get to the end because they they have the same it's the same on both sides. <clears throat> yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that little aspect of it. It's cool. Uh, what are you, Vanessa, as someone who did the walkthrough? Which which puzzle were you like? This is ridiculous. Um, it's a hard one. There are so many. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is. It has its own logic that as you play more of these, they kind of come. You kind of understand what you sh- what you need things for. But uh, yeah, I know the one I was showing Jim was like uh, probably like the the bee insect room was like, see Jim, you have to like combine this thing over here with this this lure, and then you have a bee, and then you switch the live bee specimen with the lure of the bee, and then you put this over here, and then you press the switch. He's like, fuck this game, and then you, <laughs> like, and then you, and then you get a. And a medallion? I forget what you're And the bee comes back to life because sure, why not? Oh, right. Then the bee comes back to life and you can get poisoned by the bee if you aren't careful. Uh, yes, there are a few things. Or like the um, like the um, spinning chicken directional things. Oh, it's okay. like, sure, why, why, why wouldn't I have to move this one to north and this one to west? The dog yeah. statues. The server statues. Uh, yeah, those... Yeah, it, it's, it's you just kind of accept those after a while. But yes, those are insane things to have to do. I mean, even the littlest aspect of Resident Evil, which you have to get used to, is the fact that you should examine literally everything you pick up. Yes. If, if it's not a weapon, sometimes if it is a weapon, but if it's not a weapon, uh, examine it and flip it around as much as possible to find out what the hidden, what the actual, what it actually is. Yeah, um, they're all like those little nested Russian dolls, right? Like you can yeah. open up a. a you know, a, a vase and it will have whatever in it. I, I think that's quite fun because that's very much like Mist or one of those sort of adventure game um, feelings to it as well. And it's also a chance for them to show off these ludicrously detailed models of, you know, busts mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I'd love to, in, in my future home, I'd love to have a, you know, either a Batman 66 style bust where you lift up its head and press a button or have something that you <laughs> flip around and press to reveal a, a weird key. <laughs> no, no, I would, I would, I'd love a like, like commemorative Resident Evil item that's like that. I'd, I'd be, I'd be into it. Like a key, the keys, love the keys. Um, yeah, cause all they ever do is sell you like expensive jackets for, yeah, you know, Resident yeah, Evil who, who wants a jacket? I want Someone, some. I bet you somebody on Etsy will sell you something. I want. A, I want a medallion with a switch that turns it into that turns it into a key. That's what I want. <laughs> so that's a, uh, that unlocks one room in this in this mansion. It's um, ridiculous. The lo- yeah. Uh, that also back to frustration. The keys and like, of course, this key just had it was just to this one door. <laughs> yeah, I do love that they tell you at least. That's like again, I love that they tell you. Uh, any other questions, Vanessa? You have you know, 
specifically um, you wanted to ask that's been burning in your souls ever since you played Resident Evil remake? No, I guess that was probably it. I enjoyed it though. I'm happy you played it. Yeah. I would never have played it on my own, so this is good. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll move towards the end. This will end here, uh, Luke. Uh, so, any final thoughts on Resident Evil Remake? Would you recommend it today to someone? And uh, how, how do you feel about it twenty years on? Here's what I'll say. You know, um, there comes a time in everyone's life where you start to think about the old days and those uh, memories come a haunting. You know, that swing set in the park the dust on your feet and uh you know that that little girl that teased you and you got to think like <laughs> what are you really missing there you know are you missing her are you missing the catamaran with the drop down on it or the you know the 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 corvette with the top down or uh is it that you're missing the way you were you know? and i think that's what going back to resident evil is like uh all these years later be it the first one or the remake you will be reminded of where you were, the smell in the air, the uh, you know feelings that you had at that time, um, and the fact that at that time the world was wide open to you. And uh, I think that that's something very powerful captured there. And even if you don't have those feelings because you never played it before, it'll uh, cement itself there for you. And 20 years later, when your child comes to you and says, Father, Mother, what was Resident Evil like? You'll not be able to tell them what Resident Evil was like. You'll be able to tell them what the world was like and what you were like. <laughs> yep. Very, very thought-provoking. Uh, Vanessa, as someone who did play this 20 years, nearly 20 years past the original release, what are your final thoughts on it? Would you recommend it? How are you feeling about Resident Evil? Would you play more Resident Evil after this? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Um, I enjoyed it. I would play more Resident Evil if we did a game clip about it. I don't think this will be like a serious I seek out because I really hate being chased <laughs> <laughs> like so much more than anything in the entire world. Um, unfortunately, probably the friends I have, it's like probably not a game that they would be like, um, we're like, we're Mario people. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> We're a Mario family in this house. So. Yeah, we're, we're Mario people. We like, um, we like, we like puzzle games <laughs> that are like more like, um, you know, like our murder, murder mystery game rather than, makes the liquids to kill the plant puzzles. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, or like if you could, if I, if I could have a mode where I like could like turn off all the enemies, um, and then do the puzzles. So missed. I would like to play missed. <laughs> <laughs> you would like to play an adventure game. Oh no! Yeah, exactly. Let's never do missed for a game of God. Yeah, uh, horrible. Some things are left back in the past. Yeah, that one can stay dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, li- I liked it though, and I would yeah. play. I would play another one if there was a very easy mode. Yeah, I will. I will say this. Uh, like I've said before, it's bleeding in mind. This is the. Only one of these really left like this. If you don't, if you don't go back to the original, like PlayStation, the even older ones, like uh, this is really is of a kind. And uh, I think it's you know it's good that we have you know, games have advanced, but it's it is kind of sad that I I don't know if this genre genre will get get a renaissance in the way that in the in this style because I mean survival horror is still popular, but it's more it's they. They don't have fixed cameras anymore. Inventory management is, ne- is not even is not close to the same as it was, uh, for better or worse. It's uh, there are obviously frustrations there. You know, say there's there are games don't really do um, saves the same way anymore. Even the more recent Resident Evils are more forgiving, 
in that sense. No more ink ribbons. Um, but it has its charms, and the I think it looks it still looks fantastic to me. Um, I, you know, you know, uh, art appeals to people in different ways. I think <clears throat> this game is one of the finest looking games ever made. Um, and when you take into account like when it was made, uh, and and the fact that it still holds up to today is a testament to that. Um, and it's just. There's a flow. There's a flow to these games that I don't get from many others. If if any others, there's a they're very systematic. They it, they scratch all the itches from my uh, exp, my desire for exploration, my uh, my desire for puzzle solving, uh, action. All of it is all, and then a little you know the horror the with a good lore in the back with a good ridiculous stupid lore in the background. You give me all that in a game, I'm usually pretty satisfied, and Capcom usually does that for me. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I I I could recommend this. I definitely will recommend this to people going on, but it would always have a caveat like um, you gotta have you. It's because you know it's still a thing to get used to, but uh, I think it's still a wonderful, wonderful game and my second favorite Resident Evil game ever made. Uh, and, and a very that's a very long list of games, but and I played probably 90 percent of them. And the ones I haven't are like the out the outbreak games and the rail shooter games, which you know not missing out on much there. But uh, so yeah, that's all. That's my thoughts on Resident Evil Remake One. <laughs> if uh, any any other any other last uh, comment anyone has. Um, if not, I'll move into uh, the closing closing segments here. Uh, if you enjoy this show, uh, you can follow you can follow it on Twitter at Games and Junk, um, where we post these episodes uh, monthly, and we've been going strong with that for a while now. Hopefully, going to keep it up. Um, you can follow myself at John Lucero 777 You can follow Vanessa at Vicarious Rock. Uh, Luke, would you mind plugging yourself? You, yeah, you could find me on Twitter. It's at Luke Maxwell. Um, you can read reviews of uh, films that I write at the uh, Dublin Inquirer. It's a monthly newspaper here in Dublin, Ireland, um, but it's also published weekly online. And um, I'd appreciate if people take read of uh, some reviews. Most recently, I did The Father of the Cyborgs, which is an interesting documentary about mm-hmm. uh, an Irish doctor who um, has... Uh, worked with people with locked-in syndrome and ALS and uh, even operated on his own brain to better understand the world of uh, man-machine interfaces. So um, give that a read if you like. And uh, listen out for me on future Games and Junk podcasts, um, including uh, my new spin-off podcast, which I'm excited to announce today, which is um, Sonic Rush, where I discuss the Sonic series and also the uh-huh. of the late, great Rush Limbaugh. Um, <laughs> wow! Two things I love: series. Sonic and Rush Limbaugh. I'm a big fan of both of those things. Jason Please look attest forward to, that. to it. Thank and, you. Uh, and uh, <laughs> thank you, Luke. Uh, we look forward to the first episode of that dropping soon. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you can follow. <laughs> we also have a few other shows here. Um, we have Multimedia Failure, which you can follow at Multimedia Failure. It's a show where we watch myself, uh, Vanessa, and Jason all watch video game movies together and rank them against against each other arbitrarily. Um, it's been going great for the last 50-something episodes. We definitely don't hate all these movies. <laughs> uh, look forward to every single one in the future. 
<laughs> uh, we all, <clears throat> Jason has uh, a music podcast, Rocket with a Card Out, where he talks about video game music. Um, goes very in depth with with multiple soundtracks of multiple eras. Um, and if you like video game music, I highly recommend it. You can follow that at at uh, the acronym for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good luck with that one. Uh, and then you can also follow there our um, uh, sci-fi podcast. So say we all, where they're currently talking about uh, Battlestar Galactica. Jason and his co-host Stephanie Kulak, and occasionally Vanessa. Uh, and they're deep in the history and uh, first season, I think, of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, maybe maybe they're past that. I don't know. It's a it's a show I know nothing about, <laughs> other than it's in space. Uh, and if you and please, if you wouldn't, if you really enjoy these shows and you enjoy listening to us, donate to our Patreon. Um, for for three bucks a month, you get better quality audio for um, a few of the podcasts, and you get access to uh, our Patreon feeds as well. And um, if you donate five dollars a month, you get a shout out on the show. Um, Jason, if you're out there listening, would you mind shouting out our um, Patreon donate donators? Absolutely. So thanks, John. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks. Oh boy, I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> Alex Messenger, Josh Carpenter, and Eric. Um, yeah, I actually had to put that on pause for the month. So, but yes. hey, whatever. I'll, uh, the the one reward you'll get this month is a shout out on the show. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. For free. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, to all our listeners, if you are Patreon, if you are thinking about donating to Patreon, it. Uh, for the for the next uh, few weeks or months, uh, content will be much lighter due to Jason's um, injury and subsequent recovery. But uh, once he's back on his feet, it'll go back to the usual, the more normal um, output. So not not too much longer, I would say. <clears throat> so uh, if anyone has anything else to add, uh, or if not. I will say so long, everyone. Thank you for listening and have a garbage day.